everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. Good morning, and welcome to the 69th episode of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller in Long Beach, California. In New York, New York is Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Feeling pretty good about myself. Uh, because you predicted, as I recall, you sent me a note yesterday uh, that predicted almost to the pitch everything that was going to happen yesterday. I don't know if I sent you a note, but I concluded yesterday's episode by saying that we would be back today to talk about how Zito dominated the Tigers and Verlander was kind of a mess. Well, no, come on. You can't I was... use ironic <laughs> predictions <laughs> to justify your place in the world, <laughs> Ben. That's all I have. No, I... I do think, though, that, I mean, uh, yeah, when we hung up yesterday, uh, I certainly felt, I don't know if you felt, but I certainly felt like that was the worst podcast that had ever been recorded. (laughs) And it's, it was the worst podcast because we refused to take the idea of uh, predictions or really even analysis seriously, which is our job to do. We work for a company of baseball analysts who, um, have made our name with a prediction system. So (laughs) we should probably be more open to predictions and analysis. But, um, but this is exactly why we probably weren't. I I think that, uh, certainly you could have said with no, um, with no doubt or shame that the Tigers should have won last night's game, that Justin Verlander was the better pitcher, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I don't know what good that does anybody. And as we saw yesterday, um, not only does that not necessarily turn into anything real, but you could not possibly come up with a matchup um, more unbalanced than Barry Zito hitter versus Justin Verlander pitcher. Mm -hmm. And even there, uh, there was a surprising outcome. I don't know if I noted it in my recap or not. I uh, wrote a lot of things that I deleted, but... um, Barry Zito now has a World Series RBI. Uh, Pat Burrell, cleanup hitter, yes, or five hitter, that. two championship teams, uh, has one postseason World Series RBI. So, as surprising as the as the outcome of that game was, I feel like I'm never really deeply, truly surprised by the outcome of any baseball game. Okay, so what could have surprised you? Today. Uh, I don't know yesterday. if anything could have. I mean, I have this sense that, I mean, when I talk to people who don't watch baseball, and I mean really have no awareness of baseball like my grandma or someone, uh, and she'll see that, I don't know, the Yankees got blown out in a game, she'll be shocked that that happened in that one game because they're the Yankees, and she feels like the Yankees must be really good, and they probably don't lose ever or they never lose by much or something whereas if you watch baseball all the time you know that even in the most lopsided of matchups the the team that's not favored probably has I don't know something like a 30 percent chance to win something like that um so that was I I mean that was one of the more surprising outcomes that the Giants would hit Verlander that well that the Tigers wouldn't hit Zito all that well certainly was not what I would have predicted ironic prediction aside um but it's not like my mind is reeling or I'm questioning uh everything I know about baseball any more than I usually do 
which is a lot. Yeah, I, I think if you had simply lined up Barry Zito's starts this year and Justin Verlander's starts this year, and you just you know arbitrarily put them next to each other, you'd probably would come up with something like I don't know, twenty five thirty percent of them. And 25 to 30% is a humongous number when you're talking about probabilities. It is the odds, for instance, that you will get, you know, a spade if you draw a card, basically. I mean, it's it, it's nothing. It, it, it's, not, it's not an unlikely event whatsoever. It only seems like in advance. And I think we noted in an earlier, uh, when we were talking about the inevitability of Justin Verlander, the feeling of inevitability about Justin Verlander, he won 64% of his starts this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I should say the Tigers won 64% of his starts this year, and he was the best pitcher in baseball. So, uh, again, 36% is is almost a coin flip. It's not quite, but it's very close. And mm-hmm. that's just I, – I think you're right. I think the – I think that probably I would have – well, I would say that I was surprised – by the third home run, but that's totally illogical. The, the the third home run surprised me because it was three, but once the two were in, then the third one is as likely as the first ever was. It surprised so me because of a, where the pitch was. Yeah, that well, was, yeah, yeah, that yeah. except that it's panda and yeah, that's just right. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was this sort of mental block in my head where I thought, oh, he can't hit three, but that was just you know. Whereas when he batted against Valverde. You expected him to hit a fourth. Um, did he hit against other? He, he did. That was by you know that was by that was the only pitch he saw that was definitely in the strike zone. I mean that was, the pitch from Valverde was right down the middle. It could not have been more <laughs> down the middle. It was the only pitch. It, it's really like maybe I don't know maybe one of a half dozen pitches he's seen all postseason that have been <laughs> clearly in the middle of the strike zone, um, and uh, he. You know, you put a good swing on it. But, you know, it's actually kind of frustrating watching Sandoval if you're cheering for him, partly because he um, swings at pitches um, that um, are many feet out of the strike zone. But it can also be frustrating because when he does get the pitch right down the middle, he um, he so often misses it because uh, there's almost really no distinction to him. It's it, a pitch is a pitch is a pitch. And so, like... Hitters, pitches, pitchers, pitches—they they just don't matter. He either puts a good swing on something or he doesn't. Yeah. Well, if so he were, if you were good at at all the at hitting the pitches that everyone can hit, and also all the pitches that no one else can hit, he would be unfairly good. I he, guess. yeah, he would be. Although then you probably would get even more upset at his chasing because then you would think that there was. As it is, there's there's it's probably hard to convince him to to take a better approach because he thinks well i don't i don't, I don't do that much better when they're down the middle <laughs> um so anyway yeah so and i i think that i would pro- the one thing i think that sh- that surprises me that really um i don't know kind of shocks or disturbs me when i'm watching baseball is to see a pitcher who loses the ability to throw strikes mm-hmm. uh, at all like who th- like uh Derek Holland against the Giants uh in the World Series 2 years ago where mm-hmm. he threw like something like 12 or 13 or 11 or something like that because to me um that that um is like um that threat is looming over every pitcher all the time mm-hmm. it that that is death that is the baseball equivalent of death and you block it out you convince yourself that it, it's not real and it can't happen 
you know. Yeah, that just makes me uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, if you really thought about how uh, easy it is to 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 lose the ability, I mean, it is amazing what these guys do throwing strikes. It's amazing, um, and if you just got off by a, a millimeter, it seems very easy to think that you could lose the ability to throw strikes at all. And it would be hard to watch baseball if you were constantly worried about that. So when I actually do see it happen to somebody, if I had seen, if Verlander had come out, walked five straight on four pitches, and then left, that would have been shocking. That would have yes. been probably the one shocking thing that could have happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, Ver, if Zito, on the other hand, had done that, I would have just thought it was <laughs> But he looked good. He wasn't just, uh, I don't know, he wasn't, he didn't seem to be just kind of getting lucky. He looked good like in a i don't know like in a sustainable way almost i guess maybe every pitcher does when they're pitching well or almost but yeah um but it wasn't like you were just kind of waiting for the tigers to catch on to what he was doing so much or that he was obviously getting away with a lot of bad pitches he was just kind of effective like he was the last time out um so I yeah, don't, yeah. Uh, he, he he was he, there's uh, I um, I mentioned RJ's piece mm-hmm. in in my piece and probably like seventy five people read RJ's piece and like four read mine <laughs> or seventy five read mine and so the overlap is very small so I can talk about this but RJ wrote about um, how Barry Zito gets um, swinging strikes high on fastballs up. Uh, up and away, which is an unusual place for a crafty lefty to work, and uh, it's an unusual place really for for anybody to work. A lot of times, up and away fastballs aren't usually an an ideal pitch, um, and he does it by uh, having that pitch sort of uh, appear to be the big breaking curveball. It sort of uh, he he releases it in the same sight line, but it doesn't drop down away and if he can hit that corner the top and the high and outside corner which again hardly anyone works to if he can hit that corner it's very deceptive to a batter and he can either get uh, called strikes if they are giving up on it or more likely he can get swinging strikes and and pop-ups if they are a little late on it and that was revelatory to me because um, I've always thought of Zito I mean, I I've, I see those pitches. I see him make those pitches. But you see so many lefties make those pitches as a mistake. I mean, that seems to be the most common problem for the uh, inconsistent lefty is he doesn't kind of finish his rotation, uh, his, his, his motion, and he leaves the ball up and away. And you'll see like a guy like, like Jonathan Sanchez or um, a guy like um, – I don't know, Jorge De La Rosa or something like that, when they are wild, that's always where they're wild. And so I've just been conditioned to think that that's the pitch that is the accent. That's the mistake pitch. And it never occurred to me really, to be honest, that that's what Zito is doing. I I mean, I know that Zito kind of works up a bit, but I didn't really realize how systematically he does. And yeah, he made a lot of good pitches. He got he got strikes up there. He, if you look at his strike chart, he got a lot of strikes that are either uh, in the in the very top quadrant or just off it. And uh, I mean, yeah, you can see that the 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 problem with you know with Zito is that he doesn't have the stuff 
I mean, he has the stuff that even when he's super duper on, like yesterday, for the most part, his ceiling is three strikeouts, one walk, one mm-hmm. run in six innings. And if he doesn't quite have the stuff, you could see how it would have gone bad. I mean, the pitch he made to Fielder with two on and one out in the first, he got the pop-up to left field. He got his outcome. It was a good pitch. It was where he wanted it. But, you know, it's also a pitch that's sort of right there. And it, you're, you know, even when Zito makes his pitch, there's a sort of a hold your breath and hope that the batter doesn't beat it because they're all beatable. Every pitch he throws is beatable. If if Pablo Sandoval can hit that Verlander fastball at his chest, then anybody could hit any pitch Zito wants to throw. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, you know, batters are also uh, fallible batters also are kind of guessing and I mean Zito is a major leaguer but so uh, similarly the pitch that he threw to, to Delman Young to get out of that inning was you know again it was the pitch Zito wanted to make it wasn't a great pitch it wasn't an unhittable pitch and Delman Young hit a hard grounder if Delman Young had hit a hard grounder um, a foot and a half over then Zito uh, is trailing early in the game and um, so, yeah, that's that's why it's not as though I don't think anybody is is going to still be that confident about Zito for a long, long time, because um, that's that's the best he can do is go out there and do that. Delman Young did not look so good in that game. <laughs> <laughs> not that he usually looks so good, but he did look so good uh, in the postseason to this point. Certainly yeah, but not in the LCS. The post- not really in the postseason his career. He's, I mean, he's had, I think this is his seventh series or sixth series or something like that, and he's had two good ones basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the Delman Young clutch god is, uh, is, it's weird because he has had two two huge massive ones, and he's what he's the Tigers franchise postseason home run hitter record holder. I think I didn't hear that stat. Is that true? Wow. I believe it is. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> but Delman Young is so crazy because to think about how um, he was the number – I mean, he was the number one prospect in baseball. Uh, I think he was number two three years and didn't transfer uh, – you know, never turned into a good player, right? So, mm-hmm. so you think, well, he's the classic guy who was just absolutely filled with tools, had all the tools. Scouts were obsessed with him couldn't get enough of those tools and it just didn't it just didn't translate to the majors at at the end of the day you know he just couldn't make that step Mm -hmm. but you watch him now there is like nobody i think of as less tools that he just looks like a disaster in every aspect of the game he's got (laughs) not he has no hit tool he has no arm he can't run he's i know he might be the fattest guy (laughs) in baseball, and i don't care if he only weighs 240 pounds he is the fattest he is is not in shape like he is smuggling (laughs) tools in his back yeah, my uh, my girlfriend. When I told her that he was 27 years old, uh, she was incredulous. He is one of the oldest looking 27 year old athletes I think you'll ever see. And I, I think I tweeted something the other day. I went back and looked at his uh, capsule from the 2004 or five Baseball America handbook when I think he was. Uh, ranked the number three prospect in baseball or something. And it, it said that scouts had concerns about his body and that he was, uh, I think it, it said he was looking more and more like his brother, Dimitri, every year. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of wonder how a guy who 
looked like that and sort of had a reputation for a bad body even as he was ranked that high uh how he ended up that high i guess i mean i don't know if it was just the some something about his approach was so advanced but that couldn't have been it um i don't know i think he i think he looks like stanley from the office more every year <laughs> yeah, I, I i think the resemblance is starting to get uncanny yeah with that mustache <laughs> I, at all yeah the the tigers have a lot of moving parts in the outfield but i'm assuming that he is there to stay in this series right i i can't imagine him coming off uh an alcs mvp and getting benched at any point for andy dirks or something didn't he have two hits yesterday i mean he was their best hitter man even i mean when he gets hits it just looks so bad that you almost don't want to give him credit for it. Two hits. Uh, yeah, two hits. He and Jackson had two hits apiece. Um, I think that to bring it full circle a little bit, although I don't know if we're done, so maybe this is just going to be a circle that sits outside the rest of the show. But um, to me, the failure of Delman Young to be anywhere remotely good as a baseball player um, is way, 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 way more unpredictable than anything that happened in yesterday's game. Yeah. Even given how often prospects fail, and you usually expect them to fail, but... Uh... Yeah, well, that's what I mean. The, the, uh, the, the, fact that, the fact that a player who is in double-A, which is very close to the majors, I mean, if you were... If you and I went out to a park and there were... Uh, there were five major leaguers, five AAA players, five AA players, and they were playing a scrimmage. Um, I don't. I'm. I'm honestly not sure that you and I would be able to f- to figure out which ones were the AA players. Mm-hmm. And so to be that close and to be that much of a consensus superstar, um, and to not, to not. I mean, he's he's and, like. I mean, he's like a half a warp in his career. Forget about being that close. He was in the majors at 20. Uh, That's true. Hitting he, 317 in 130 something plate appearances, and then finishing second in Rookie of the Year voting the next year. Although he wasn't really that great that year, but for a 21 year old, was pretty good, decent. Um, he has more. Uh, he has more plate appearances in his career than Russell Brannion. <laughs> already, he has more than um, Kelly Gruber. Uh-huh. Uh, he has more than I, there's. I I was looking at the list of people who he has more than, and there are a number of famous people who you think had long careers. I mean, Kelly Gruber. <laughs> he's only 26. Well, he's 27. He's 27 in one month, and he's terrible. And he has more career plate appearances than, um, you know, than Shane Mack, who was worth 20 warp in his career. I wonder how long he'll be with us, not on the uh, earth, but in the majors. Yeah, well, what that career will he have when it's all said? That's a good question. Who who's a comp for him? I mean, is yeah, who is a comp for him? I mean, even I the first name that comes to my mind is Frank Cour, Um and there are some uh, things that you can compare. But Frank Cour does play a respectable outfield. He does still do some things. He's a, he's a you know he, he's a lousy hitter, but he plays enough defense that when uh, he has a, a good year of his, he's he's actually not totally unvaluable. Maybe he's like uh, a, a Jeffrey Hammonds, sort of. He was, uh, 
uh, top prospect and a early first he round has, pick, and I, then ended up kind of just being a league average hitter. Yeah, he has more plate appearances than Jeffrey Hammonds. Oh wow! In his career, Jeffrey Hammonds played th- thirteen seasons, <laughs> um, and Jeffrey Hammonds in his thirteen seasons was about seven wins. So. Uh, yeah, you know, there's, uh, well, you know. 98 yeah, OPS know. plus versus 98 so, OPS plus. Well, Hammond's had a nice little Colorado pick-me-up mm-hmm. in the middle of his career uh, and made an all-star game when he was 29. So maybe Young finds his way to Colorado and <laughs> has an accidentally good year and that buys him a little bit more time. But, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, he's going to be 27 next year and... After that, people, you know, when you hit 28, people start treating you differently. And not, they probably shouldn't, but, uh, or they shouldn't treat you as differently as they do. But um, he's going to have, I think he's going to have a hard time when he's 28 convincing anybody that he's still a um, post hype mm-hmm. uh, breakout candidate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Delman Young, will Delman Young be in the league in five years? Mm. Mm. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say, isn't it? Probably. Yeah, I would say probably. I could see him. Will Delman Young, will Delman Young have a legitimately good year in the next five years? Is there? Does Delman Young ever have? Well, I mean, he's never going to be a good defender, uh, so that kind of limits how good a year he can have, I guess. Or he's never going to really add a whole lot apart from his hitting. Um, yeah, but like Jermaine Dye had good years. Yeah, and... I can't. I don't think he's going to have a. A Jermaine Dye good year. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, he had his 2010, 2010. was was 2010 pretty good. Was a good year. Yeah, yeah. I would, if you had asked me to set the line for what a good year was, I would have set the line roughly where 2010 is. Mm-hmm. And since then, he has gone backwards, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might actually have gone backwards because he forgot how to move forward. <laughs> he might. I, it would not shock me if Delman Young hit a ball into the gap, and started backpedaling into the on-deck circle <laughs> trip for his own. Or just didn't run like last night. Yeah. Uh, his. I have to say, I do have to say that his throw was terrible. I've seen But it was, it was, yeah, it was not nearly the gif miracle right. that people treated it as. I mean, it, no, it I... bounced eight times. It wasn't, it wasn't a good throw. But he, he he made it into the infield. He didn't really spike it. Yeah. What's, uh, the, what's the classic gif? Is it like Gabanias? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah, it wasn't in that league at all. <laughs> it wasn't in that league. Although remember, remember the time, remember the time Manny Ramirez cut that cut that throw off. <laughs> yes, he would would flying to, to catch the ball. That was good. All right, we well, done. I don't know. I guess as bad as we are at. Uh, seriously trying to predict a short series i guess maybe we're just as bad as at making takeaways from one game uh and trying to find something from one game that will impact subsequent games is there i mean aside i'm not talking about momentum or anything is there anything from this game that makes you think any differently about the subsequent games in this series than you would have before this game. I guess for me, the only thing is that we can now rule out. A, yeah, we can rule out a, a Valverde uh, mm-hmm. high leverage appearance. Not that he was all that bad. I didn't think um, he kind of. Oh, got, I did. He kind of got. I mean, there was the uh, 
the Scudero hit was just kind of a weak grounder that got through the hole, and then there was uh, another kind of blooper. But um, I thought he looked terrible. Mm. Right. Um, I wouldn't go to him well, again. Regardless, no, I, I don't think no, he won't be trusted with anything. Yeah, so that, I mean, yeah, that matters. And it doesn't matter a ton because nope. it's not like he was Mariano Rivera in the bullpen, nope. you know, in their in their ninth inning. But it's one less arm and it moves everybody up a notch, or at least it moves Coke out of his role. Um, and so, what is that um, like? Smiley is their loogie now? Yeah, I guess. So that will matter because you know that keeps them from uh, being able to throw anything at Belt. It keeps them from being able to turn around Sandoval. Although they have so many switch hitters in their lineup that it's it's hard to play lefty righty against them. I, Belt and and maybe Sandoval, probably just Belt are the only ones really worth doing that to. Um, but that matters. I, I would say that the Tigers bullpen isn't quite the liability that I think people are saying it is or are, are going to say it is. They are a little. They're they're certainly weaker than the average team in the ninth. Mm-hmm. Um, Benoit and Dotel are both very strong i think if they had um uh, yeah it's it's not a good bullpen so and it's it's gotten worse i don't i i wouldn't like say that it's certainly going to be the cause of their their undoing any more than you know johnny peralta's defense has been the cause of their undoing or anything like that it's just it's a it's a weakness that could show up do you think valverde will be back kind of as a budget closer for some team next year and be fine he'll be uh basically what he was before is he uh, is he a free agent? I think he is. Let me check, but I think so. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's he might just be the guy that you he might be the guy you sign knowing that you can trade him, kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Astros four million. Mm-hmm. Blue Jays four million, something like that. Oh, definitely Blue Jays, because they never miss a chance to add a, a right-handed reliever. It seems. Yeah. Uh, handed reliever and bad hit catcher. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess we're done. Uh, it sounds like you have contracted a cold from your. No, I just, I think I just passing. I just I just woke up like oh. a second ago. Okay, well. Sorry. You can take it easy tonight, and I will write a recap, and we will reconvene uh, for episode seventy tomorrow. Everybody, everybody, come to my chat. I'm chatting at ten. Oh yes, at everyone, do that. Ten my time. Which is like in a couple hours or so. Yep. See ya. Okay.